I think asking ourselves whether or not we should trust certain gurus, spiritual gurus, mentors, or anyone that has advice to give, I, I think we should ask our questions all the time as to whether or not we actually trust what they're saying and who they are and what they represent and what their intentions are and their motivations. I think it's valid and we should very much question those things all the time. Uh, particularly in the world of spiritual gurus, I think it is a challenge to know where someone's heart is in a good place versus are they dealing with shadows and some of those major shadows have to do with attention from people or exploitation or money gathering or anything like that, right? And there's a very real truth about anyone having to do business or anyone spreading a message in that there's typically money involved. So it's important to separate any kind of money cynicism from just assuming that someone trying to make money is ill-intended. Like that's, that's an important starting point. I think, uh, the other point is, are they positioning themselves to be the sole person that you get attention from, that you get advice from that, uh, are they speaking in a way that is, um, making you kind of captive or dependent on what they're saying versus getting advice from anywhere else. You know, I think about the idea of a cult. And a cult is usually like you can have a cult of one and a lot of people can feel like they've been trapped by a singular person. You know, people have experienced that in relationships where they can get trapped by one person and really, uh, fear of escaping or how to escape or uh, fear of thinking for yourself. And, that, and that's a major symptom of being into a cult situation is, is not being allowed to think for yourself, not being allowed to leave not being uh, allowed to have agency and sovereignty. And that's really important to, to note when you're, you're dealing with a, um, any kind of mentor or guru, or even in a relationship, I think it's important to, to take note of those things and to allow yourself to question, because if there's someone in your life or someone that you look up to that is not encouraging you to question or not allowing you to question or is intellectually or emotionally gaslighting you. Cause it's very, uh, we talk about intellectual gaslighting all the time where someone's like, that didn't happen. And kind of maybe playing with your memory or doing sort of mental trickery to make you not believe yourself. But I think there's very much emotional gaslighting as well to make you think that you don't actually feel the way that you feel. And, um, that's a much more insidious aspect that we don't really talk about as much that it's always this sort of thinkery gaslighting. And, um, you know, part of all of that is, is, is allowing for room to process and think for yourself away from the person or, or even exploring an equal opposite idea that a person is bringing so that you can kind of test it for yourself and see if this is valid, right? One of the challenges that can happen with taking advice from someone who's perceived themselves as a leader or a guru is that we have limits of our perception. And so there is a certain 
degree of trust of handing ourselves over. And uh, if you're someone who comes from a background that you're very used to being someone that surrenders, like if you were very comfortable surrendering to a religion or to your parents or whatever, like dependency has worked out for you. It's, you know, those are usually the people that are susceptible to being dependent again and saying like, yeah, I want to be dependent. And I think there's a, I think there's a the desire instinctively within all of us to be like, man, it would be really nice if someone just like took care of all of my life stuff. And if someone just like assigned me a partner and if someone just like told me what my job is and told me where to go and told me what to do and told me who to be, right? Like, frankly, that would be a lot easier. It would not be satisfying. It could, it would miss out on a lot of things. But I think there is a very base logic that we have that, that says like, that would be kind of nice to just have an instruction manual for life. But the reality is that there is no instruction manual for life and we're all figuring it out as we go along, including the spiritual gurus, including the mentors, including people who are, you know, like me on a podcast telling you, you know, how you should approach things. And, uh, you know, I'm always documenting these things because these are things that I'm thinking about. It's not that you should also have just like innate cynicism for any spiritual guru. But I think it's worth developing your own criteria for what is a valid expression and continuing to scrutinize, even if it seems fine. Right. And that doesn't mean like be hyper vigilant and always be on edge, but it means that, um, you know, is this person telling me something because of their authentic experience or are they telling me something so that they're so insightful that I become dependent on their insight or that I become dependent on, uh, is it turning the blame on me for things that have happened? And blame is not, not really the right word. Um, like, cause there's, there's a very real reality that we experience that everything that we awaken to everything we see and experience, like there's, there's these concepts of like reality unfolding in front of us and it's everything that we perceive and, and all of that stuff, which is valuable to have. I mean, I very much think that one of the major challenges we have with like childhood traumas, for example, is that we come into this world with expectations, desires, and hopes. And our parents and the world that we walked into also has desires, expectations, and hopes. And sometimes it's like oil and water and those things just do not gel. And, um, you know, it may not be an intentional malicious intent for a mismatch to occur. And very much oftentimes it can be. Some people are just crude and that sucks. And, uh, so it's like making peace with a little bit of all of it. It's like not getting to a place where you're perpetually blaming yourself, but also not really blaming everyone else all at the same time. There is a degree of self-responsibility, but there is also a degree of other responsibility, right? It's not one-sided or the other. And I think if anyone's telling you that it's one thing in totality or another thing in totality that it's completely your fault or it's completely not your fault. Uh, I, I just don't think that's realistic personally because that, that, that takes discernment off the table. 
And I know that there are places and spaces in our lives where we're trying to figure everything out and and uh, it makes us kind of naive because if we don't know anything, then we're going to latch on to the first thing that someone tells us is the truth. And uh, frankly, you know, the truth is always just much more complicated than any of that. And it takes a lot more work to see reality for what it is. That includes our inner world and external world and reconciling the two. And that's really a lot of difficult work, and it's really hard, and being alive is hard. But it's also beautiful at the same time. And uh, that's the paradox we wrestle with, right? So I, I think there are like some extreme examples of some of these like spiritual gurus that go very far. I, I think, um, you know, it's like Osho is questionable and his methods, right? And if you really kind of work your way through it, you can, you can find ways to see how there are people who came out of it that weren't, um, that wasn't a totally negative thing for them. Um, and you could argue that that was, there was an, an intentionality with like trying to teach people lessons and stuff like that. Or it could have been just complete exploitation, right? Like that's your opinion to kind of take a look at those things. There are documentaries on Osho and his whole story. And I think that's the extreme example. Um, I, th I think there are certain people that I have a little bit of like a question mark with, and it's really just like, if you feel that there is some sort of like, I don't know, something's not right here. Like you can stick with it and keep paying attention to that feeling. Don't lose that feeling. Um, just because like, again, you get emotionally gaslighted into like, Oh, you're just, you know, basically like guess gaslit into not trusting your, your gut. Uh, I, I think that's important to keep paying attention to where there are maybe inconsistencies or, you know, trying to get a sense of what their, their motivation actually is. And to be frank, like, I think most people's motivations are actually self-focused, but there is a self-focus that actually benefits people that like I can be such a radical demonstration of what it means to be like a lighter spiritual embodied joyful of service person because those are things that like genuinely light me up and there's another version of self-focus that is all about external world gain and manipulation and uh, notoriety and stuff like that. And I think that's where things get tricky is like, how do you discern the difference? And I think I'm going to think on that. And, and if there are ways that I can highlight some things to look out for, you know, I think that's, you know, there, there's a degree of like someone telling you what to do. And I don't think there's really any spiritual teacher that is telling you what to do <laughs> other than mostly like some version of letting go, right? Some version of like getting out of your own way some version of, uh, not making your life as complicated as we naturally make it. Right. Um, and there's never anything that someone can gain from that. Um, in terms of, uh, other than just like helping, you know, support you. There's, I think one of the easiest ways to tell the difference is, um, the drama triangle versus the empower mind dy dynamic. I'm not going to go into all of it, but I think if you learn the difference between those two things, kind of a codependency versus like a non-attachment, 
I think that's where you can start to discern some of the difference in terms of what is helpful versus what is, um, what is, what are are you getting from someone that is like trying to get something from you? You know, that's, that's, I think that's ultimately the difference is like, is it a giving and of service or is there trying to get something from you outside of your own discernment? And I'm not talking about money and stuff like that. Again, like money and things make the world go around. Um, but it's like, are they trying to coerce you beyond your sovereignty? Because it's one thing if you like someone and you like their work and you want to willingly engage and willingly offer and join a program or, or offer donations or something like that, that is your choice. That is your discernment. But if someone is really trying to like peddle their wares to the point where it's like, where they're trying to trick you into giving money in exchange for like resolve of guilt or something like that. Like, no, 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 no. That's, that's not good. So I don't know. I think there's a lot more to cover here, but I, I just kind of, it just kind of came across as something interesting to talk about, especially because we're trying to find relief from our life challenges and mental health stuff. I think it's, that's one of the places we go to is seeking spiritual guidance and support. And, uh, I think there's, you know, discernment in that process as well. So, uh, appreciate you happy chemicals.substack.com to support or just follow some of my writing and some of the work I'm trying to do. So I appreciate you. I've been Krishna Rivera still am continue to be, and I'll talk to you later.